Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Apart from the cross itself, there can be no more poignant a symbol of the horrendous sufferings of Christ than the awful crown of thorns that he wore. The hymn writer could pen the words, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? It was an instrument of pain, mockery and reproach that came from the hearts of wicked men. But it was also an emblem of Christ's ultimate purpose to put away the curse once and for all. Today's message is about the crown of thorns that Christ wore on his blessed brow. Evangelist Mr. Jim Jarvis looks at various aspects of that crown, particularly the meaning that it has for sinners. We trust that this devotional gospel message will touch your heart today. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And we're going to read from verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. I want to speak about one particular thing that they did. We'll speak of others too in connection with it, but it's found in verse 29. It says, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. I want to speak about the crown of thorns. I was reading some time ago, and I came across a little outline. It's not original, but I really enjoyed it, and I've added some of my own thoughts to it. And it's just uh, thrilled my own soul to think about this event and the person that we're trying to present to you in the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to consider this man of Calvary. You see, you need him tonight in this meeting. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so we want to present him to you in all of the value and worth of this work that he accomplished upon the cross. But we have to speak of what they did to him, what he endured in becoming sin for us upon that cross. It says here that they made a crown of thorns and they placed it upon his head. I want to speak for a few minutes on the material of that crown. 
what it was actually made of, the material of the crown. I want to speak a little of how it was made, the making of that crown. I want to speak on the, the misery that it must have caused our Lord Jesus Christ, the mockery of the crown that was placed upon him, the meaning of it, and the mystery and the message of that crown. Won't be able to say much about each one, but they are really just so full of meaning to think about what our Lord Jesus Christ endured in order to accomplish our redemption. What about the very material of that crown? What was it made of? I remember as a boy, when I grew up there down in, near Sarnia, Ontario, on a small farm, I liked to get out into the woods with my dog. I had a German Shepherd dog, and we spent a lot of time in the woods. Uh, I kind of fancied myself to be a, uh, a native, and uh, I went out looking for animal tracks and crawling on animal trails and going through the thick bushes and brush. And of course, over and over again, I would end up encountering thorn trees, bushes that were covered in thorns. Many a time I'd go home with my hands scratched up and pierced and my face scratched up from trying to get through those thorns. I tell you, I hated them. Miserable things, thorn trees. They say in the Middle East, there are at least 25 different species of thorn trees. I was there a couple of years ago and we stopped by the side of the road. There's one particular species that, that they actually call the crown of thorns. And someone has suggested that that might be the thorn tree that they used to make this crown of thorns. The thorns are very short on that tree. But there was another thorn tree. My son-in-law who had been there before, he identified one of those trees and we stopped by the side of the road and he was able to, to snap off one of those branches very carefully. And I'll tell you, the thorns on that one were at least that long. Long, piercing thorns. I have two or three of them in a water bottle I brought back with me from Israel. I think very likely that was the thorns that were used. The material of that crown was the thorn. I read a little article in Google when I googled the thorns and the different species. This is what they had to say. They said, thorns developed as an adaptation to long overgrazing pressure throughout evolutionary history. That's where the thorn trees came from, they tried to tell me. Long overgrazing and the processes of evolutionary history. These are the lies that they try to sell men and women today. Deception. Do you know what my Bible says? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 18. As the result of man's sin, driven out from the presence of God, God himself said, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. The earth that was cursed because of sin was going to produce thorns and thistles. The result of man's fall. And they were trying to say, as they made that crown of thorns, the insignia of the fall of man, they were identifying him with man's sin and rebellion. And they were doing it out of hatred to the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated him without a cause. Pure and holy one. Ah, the material of that crown, those thorns. How was it made? How did they make that crown of thorns? It says there in verse 29, when they had plaited a crown of thorns. Notice it says they, when they, 
It took more than one. There was a centurion there with all of those soldiers. There could well have been anywhere from 80 to 200 soldiers. Usually a centurion was in charge of a number, as I said, anywhere from 80 to 200. But they together plaited that crown of thorns. Why would it take so many? Do you know why? Those thorns are so sharp. One, no doubt, would try to twist part of that thorn into a crown, and he'd pierce his hand, and he'd pass it to the next one. And they passed it around and tried to twist those thorns into a crown, something that they could place upon his head, and from one to the other, no doubt scratching and piercing their own hands, they managed to plait that crown of thorns. What an exercise that must have been as the Lord Jesus stood there, having been stripped of his own raiment and a purple robe put upon him. You see, all of these things were an effort to bring the Lord Jesus Christ down in shame and humiliation. These are the things that are connected with a king, with royalty, regal things, a robe, a purple robe, a crown, a reed that they placed in his right hand. That speaks of of kingship. They were determined that they were going to place him in in the most embarrassing situation that they could ever imagine. He said he was a king. He said he was the Messiah. Here's your robe. Here's your crown. Here's your scepter. Oh, consider for a, a minute with me the misery of that crown. When they had twisted it, they placed it upon his head and they took that reed and they began to beat the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say the crown of the head is one of the most sensitive parts of our body. And as they placed that crown upon his head, they would have had to do that very carefully. They couldn't press that crown into his brow with their hands. You can understand why with all of those piercing thorns. And so they took that reed and they began to beat the head of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine what pain that must have caused. And as the blood would begin to flow, as we read back in Isaiah 53, his visage was so marred more than any man's. He would become a figure almost unrecognizable as a man, as that crown of thorns was beaten into his brow. The misery of the crown of thorns and what our Lord Jesus had to endure. But think with me for a moment of the mockery. What did they do to the Lord Jesus as they placed that reed in his hand and the robe that was upon him and the crown of thorns beaten into his brow? They bowed the knee before him. Another sign of the mockery that they were heaping upon the Lord Jesus. Why did they do it? because they denied who he was. They repudiated his claims. This was all about mocking the Lord Jesus Christ, the centurion that was watching those things and guiding those activities. His heart was beginning to to overflow. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't realize who this man was, but as he watched and as he guided those actions, his heart was smitten. You can read later what happened at the end of it all when he cried out, truly, this was the Son of God. Oh, the Lord Jesus didn't react to that mockery the way they expected. You or I would have lashed out in anger 
You see, they took the reed out of his hand. You know what they expected? They fully expected that he would lash out upon them with the reed. That's what they were used to. I am positive in my mind that when those other two thieves were nailed, one on the right hand and one on the left, they struggled and fought. They cursed, the Bible tells us. They blasphemed. That was what those Roman soldiers were used to. But when they dealt with the Lord Jesus, they were dealing with God's Lamb. When I think of what the Lord Jesus endured here at the hands of these wicked men in silence as the Lamb to slaughter led, oh, the mockery of the crown of thorns, ridiculing His character, reviling His blessed person, repudiating all of his claims. And you know, the world has never changed. And there may be some in the meeting tonight. And when you think about the Lord Jesus, he sinks beneath your wisdom. And they placed that crown of thorns. And their language was, we will not have this man to rule over us. Oh, thank God for those of us in this meeting. When we looked upon that blessed person, when God brought us to the end of ourselves, we saw one in all of his beauty bearing our sins in his own body on the tree. And with the hymn writer, we can say, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. We love him because of what he bore there upon that tree. I think of the meaning of those thorns. Let me just spend a couple of minutes on the meaning of that crown of thorns. If you go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and you read the parable of the sower, and you remember one of the fields, the thorns come up. And then the Lord Jesus explains the, the parable of the sower and the field with the thorns and its worldliness, its materialism, the field with the thorns. It's the world. And then you read further of the nations of Israel and particularly the Ishmaelites, but it speaks of them as thorns and a type of, of the flesh. Amalek and the nations that were in the land and the Ishmaelites and others, they're spoken of on several occasions as being thorns in the side of Israel. And so the thorns speak of the flesh. But then when you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and you read about the sons of Belial and it says, they shall be as thorns against thee. They shall be as thorns. The sons of Belial, it speaks of the devil. Do you know what that tells me? The world, the flesh, and the devil were all arrayed against the Lord Jesus Christ. And what they were trying to do to him as they placed that crown of thorns and beat it into his brow. Do you know what they were saying? We've defeated you. The world, the flesh, the devil. You're going down in absolute defeat, you're finished, it's over. We're destroying you. That's what Matthew tells us. They wanted to destroy the Lord of life and glory. That's the meaning of that crown that they placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, there's a mystery that's connected to that crown, and it's very different from what we read earlier or referred to in the parable of the sower or the Amalekites and the enemies of Israel or the sons of Belial all representing things that they tried to heap upon the Lord Jesus in their scorn. There's a mystery to that crown. And you go back to Genesis chapter 22, and you read about it. 
when Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah and there with the fire and the wood and the altar laying Isaac upon that altar and binding him and placing the wood and taking the knife and the fire in his hand and in obedience to God he's about uh, to offer his only son. God stayed his hand. And you know when they looked what did they see? There was a ram caught in a thicket. You know that word can be translated in Hebrew a thicket of thorns. Some of the older commentators John Gill speaks about it. Augustine writes about it. A thicket of thorns. And they took that ram from that bramble from the thorns where his head was entangled. Oh, what a a beautiful picture of our Savior. And they laid that ram upon the altar and the knife came down and the sacrifice was made and blood was shed and Isaac stood back and realized he was free. The blood was shed for him. Picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a mystery to that crown of thorns. He fulfilled the will of his God. He was there willingly. He wasn't dragged kicking and screaming. He was there of his own free will. Not my will, but thine be done. And he chose the crown of thorns in order to pay the price for our sin. Oh, the mystery of that crown. When the Lord Jesus was speaking to the religious rulers of his day in John chapter 8, what did he say? Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. He's speaking about Genesis 22, I believe. Abraham saw the truth of what Christ would have to accomplish upon that cross. But I want to speak just for a few minutes on the message of the crown of thorns. When I think of the message that we need to get across to you clearly tonight, I think of the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, when it speaks of these same events that we've read about in Matthew 27. But in Luke 23, it tells us about two men, one crucified on the right and the other on the left of the Lord Jesus. And now the Lord Jesus is there hung on that center cross. Do you know what it tells us in Matthew 27? They took the robe off from him. The reed fell away because they had to nail his hands to a cross. No robe now, no reed. But do you know what I believe was still upon that blessed brow? The crown of thorns. It was still there. That's why the part of the mockery was to nail that insignia over the cross. That little sign. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. In Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And when those two men that were on each side looked upon him as they did, I believe, throughout the whole process, they knew he was different. Both of them began with oaths and curses, but one of those men turned and with all of the venom of his wicked, hateful heart, he said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Nothing but contempt, even in, his, in the throes of his own death, because he looked upon a man with a crown of thorns upon his head, almost unrecognizable as a man. And he had nothing but contempt in his heart. The message of the crown of thorns was lost on him, and he ended up in perdition. He lost his soul. The other man looked upon the Lord Jesus. He saw the same thing. He saw the crown and the effects of it upon him with the nails in the hands and the feet. And his back is a plowed field and all of the lacerations and the beatings and the hairs that were plucked from his cheek. Oh, it would be something that we would shrink from. We would turn our heads away. But you know, that poor thief on the other side, when he looked upon the Lord Jesus, do you know what he was looking for? 
pardon, forgiveness. Imagine looking to someone like that, dying in the world's eyes in weakness and shame and ignominy. But you know what he recognized? He recognized this man is the true king. This man is the savior, the Messiah. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord could say to that man, with all of the tenderness and love and compassion and mercy of his divine being, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. And that man received eternal life at that moment from a thorn-crowned Savior who was pouring out his life's blood. One man, all it meant was eternal perdition. The other man, pardon and the forgiveness of sins. What kind of a response is God going to hear from your heart and from your soul as you look upon the Lord Jesus Christ? In the world's eyes, something to despise and repudiate. But to that longing soul that realizes, I'm a lost sinner. And because of the fall of man and my own human nature, I'm going to lose my soul unless someone saves me. And there's only one who can. And all of this universe in which we live, there is only one who can save your precious soul. It's the man who wore the crown of thorns and who died upon that cross. I often think of that dear thief as he watched the Lord Jesus and as he cried out in the darkness, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then at the very end, when he said, it is finished, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, that poor thief hanging there saw it all, heard it all, and I believe it just filled his heart with worship. Even as he was gasping out his very life, the time came to break the legs of those men, to make sure they were dead. They came to the Lord Jesus. Do you know what they found? He was dead already. The thief by his side was still alive. They broke his legs, but just moments, I'm not sure how long, but I don't think very long, just moments earlier, his blessed Savior had preceded him into paradise. And when they broke his legs in his last gasps, left his body. As someone once said, nail-pierced hand, grasped, nail-pierced hand. And that man was in the glory. That man was with his Savior. All because he trusted that thorn-crowned one who died upon the cross to save his soul. Oh, what a joy tonight if someone in this meeting would just come and accept the Lord Jesus and acknowledge this is the one I want. This is the only one who can save me. Well, have you ever trusted this thorn-crowned one? Like the repentant thief on the cross, have you turned to Christ for mercy? Have you accepted the forgiveness that he freely offers you? There is no other way to be cleansed of all sin than through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore the cruel cross and accepted the crown of thorns willingly for sinners. Have you taken him to be your personal Savior? You need to. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. 
Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.